Many times we need to keep our health in check, but don't know what questions to ask or where to begin. We walk in blindly to our health care provider and walk out none the wiser and maybe even more confused than before. Can you take charge of your health and arm yourself with the questions and preparedness you need? The answer is yes. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. This program will answer your questions and give you the best practices for facing your medical partner in good health. Now, here's Dr. Susan Downs. Hi. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan. You ever wondered how to get along with the opposite sex and why they're so puzzling? Why isn't, doesn't it work out? Why don't they think like we do? What is going on here? Why, why isn't this easy? But many, uh, discussions, movies, books on relationships, but the, the expert in this area is John Gray, whom we are very fortunate to have with us here today. So, I'm sure you're all familiar with Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. This is a best-selling book of all time. This numerous relationship and health books has sold over 50 million copies in 45 different languages in 150 different countries. So it sounds like this is a universal issue. For over the last 40 years, John Gray has helped millions of people improve their relationships, communication, and health. He follows his own advice and is very happily married for over 31 years. It looks like a very good relationship from what I've seen at a distance. He regularly gives workshops and talks all around the world, helping men and women better understand and respect their differences in both their personal and professional relationships. Zabert combines specific communication techniques, healthy nutritional choices that create brain and body chemistry for lasting health, happiness, and romance. His many books, blogs, and free online seminars at MarsVenus.com provide practical insights to improve relationships at all stages of life and love. He's an advocate of health and optimal brain function. He also provides natural solutions for overcoming depression, anxiety, and stress, and also to increase energy, libido, hormonal balance, and better sleep. So welcome, Dr. Gray. It's such an honor to have well, you here. Oh, thank you so much. Okay. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yes. So, um, just a second. Uh, so tell me, what got you interested in this area? I mean, most people, I'm sure, have heard men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Men want to solve problems and we women just want to relate and be held. So what got you into this whole area? There's a little difficulty with our connection. Are you able to can hear, you hear me? me? Yes, I can hear you. Are you coming? Okay, uh, I I couldn't hear your question. Okay, the question is, what got you interested in this whole area of men are from Mars and women are from Venus? Oh, it's a great question. You know, I was a celibate monk for nine years in my twenties. Uh, my whole goal was spiritual enlightenment, and. Uh, after nine years, I was very happy, very fulfilled, but my brother was bipolar, and meditation did not help him. So I went and studied psychology and experienced that so many problems between men and women, as you said in the beginning, was what's he thinking? What's wrong? What's going wrong with our communication? And what I discovered is it doesn't solve all problems, but it improves communication, which can help solve problems. If we understand our partners have different styles, they have different emotional needs, they have different preferences, and if we understand that, it makes the communication so much easier. So tell us about these different needs, desires, thinking processes. Well, I, I, I would like to give a little background on why I say this. First, I observed it all, but over the last 25 years of teaching these ideas, I've been able to research that our biology is responsible for a lot of it. Men require about testosterone to feel attracted to their wives in order to feel more empathetic, more romantic, and sometimes 20 times more testosterone. Women need more estrogen to feel happy and fulfilled and so forth. And so communication, our style of communication can actually increase estrogen in women and increase testosterone in men. 
let me give you an example of a practical tip. If you listen to a woman without interrupting her, but showing interest, asking questions rather than giving solutions, saying things like, uh, tell me more, help me understand that better, give me more detail, I like that, help me understand it better, you know, just to draw her out. What will happen is that will increase her female hormones, that will lower her stress levels, and she'll feel much better, she'll feel more intimate, she'll be happier. Now, men, men like to be heard, but... When someone listens to your feelings, it increases estrogen. And men particularly need testosterone. And too much estrogen can actually make men argumentative, angry, or defensive. So the key here is what women can do when it comes to helping to build testosterone in a man is to think at times, if it's true, what a good idea. Well, that makes sense. Oh, I can see that point. You're right. These are like little things to help keep a man centered and out of the stress zone. Because communication can either lower stress or increase stress. So those are the examples. If you now explore a little further, what you see is that emotionally, what's most important for women, it's important to men, but most important is that women feel safe. They need to feel that a man listens, a man cares, and feelings, and this will keep her stress levels low so she can feel more love. A man, on the other hand, a man, on the other hand, needs to feel successful. This is always what will build his testosterone up. So if she can say things, if she's upset with him, for example, he will immediately go into defensive mode for most men, and communication breaks down. Instead, he could, he could say something like, well, this is not a big deal, but I want you just to hear my feelings. I know you'll do what you need to do. I'm not asking you to change in any way, but just understand and, and be more considerate of what goes on inside of me. These kinds of little communication tips can soften the relationship and feel the connection more. Yeah, I notice as a woman that sometimes I just wanted to be heard or held, but men want to solve it. And sometimes we just want to talk about nuances and feelings, and the men just think, oh, we've got to solve this, so let's come up with a solution. And that could cut us women off from feeling like we're being heard. Yes, and the challenge here is one is to say that and for men to actually put it into practice, a little more understanding, When I appreciate what you just said because it's so true. I've heard it for thousands of women. Just be interested, give me some time, let me go into the nuances, show some understanding. And men, on the other hand, if they could understand that it's actually kind of a non-doing doing, which is abstract until you understand the principle. When a man feels that he's giving a woman what she needs, then he feels he's solving a problem, and that keeps his testosterone up. It keeps him focused. It keeps him attentive. It also helps him to feel empathetic. If his testosterone is low, he goes into a stress reaction, and that's not going to help communication. So when when she's talking, if he could just... Take, in, take into consideration that women today, uh, they're so in a masculine world, you know, the masculine hormones get produced when you have to do things to make money. If you have to do things, if you get to do things and you make money, then that makes female hormones. If you feel happy doing it, you enjoy doing it. But today there's a lot of stress in the work world. There's a lot of sacrifice, a lot of urgency, a lot of uncertainties. These things produce testosterone, and testosterone's good. But it's not what lowers stress in women. So are you saying that to minimize stress, uh, it's best that women's estrogen levels be high, sufficiently high but not too high, and for men to be relieved of stress, uh, it, uh, it's good to have testosterone or uh, relatively high but not too high? Would you say that again? So you're saying... Uh, to relieve stress for women, it's best that their estrogen be uh, a little bit elevated but not too high. And for men, to relieve stress, it's good that the testosterone be a little bit high but not too high. Right. With the, this is all about balance. So basically, if a woman is stressed, uh, her estrogen 
is out of balance, or her progesterone is out of balance, and therefore, and we know that, this is biology, when cortisol is produced for a woman, her estrogen or progesterone levels start to go down, Uh, her testosterone goes up. For men, it's the opposite. When men are stressed, their testosterone goes down, and their estrogen levels will start to rise. So this imbalance of hormones, it's not you want super high levels, you don't want super low levels, you want the right balance. And how do you know it's the balance? By the symptoms. If you're a woman and you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed or unable to connect with your intimate romantic feelings, so to speak, or feeling happy, if you're not able, your hormones are out of balance. So talking is a way that can help balance those hormones if it's safe. Now, for a man, he often feels stressed. He needs to rebuild his testosterone. Now, there's ways she can communicate to keep it up. Or he can take a time out and do something that he enjoys doing that doesn't cause stress. It doesn't produce estrogen, but instead produces testosterone. That would be challenging activities that he feels confident at requiring skill. It could be driving his car. It could be meditating. It could be working out in a gym. It could be reading a book. He has to do something that doesn't require intimacy, but also he enjoys doing and he's confident at. These behaviors all solve problems. And this, there are always these challenges or problems that he can solve that rebuild his testosterone. Then he's ready to experience more intimacy which always increases, to a certain degree, his estrogen. You just don't want too much estrogen if you're a man. So you're saying for a man to feel more balanced and reduce his stress, reduce his cortisol, which is behind a lot of illnesses, it's best that he you know, go into his cave and have some me time, some cave time, and that will balance him with his testosterone going up to a good level. That definitely helps a lot, for sure. Now, there's another aspect of this that's more modern that we should explore as well, since we're talking about you have a deep understanding that cortisol, it will inhibit our body's ability to digest food so we become nutritionally deficient. It inhibits our immune system so that we become weakened and open to disease. If we talk about the health aspect of it, communication can lower our stress levels by listening to women more, by doing things that provide fulfillment for her. A man feels successful. That keeps his testosterone up. She feels someone cares for her. She's got backup. There's that support. So this all helps. But there's a new obstacle that's happening today uh, besides our bad diet. Bad diet can also create problems. But there's a new obstacle, and that's Internet pornography. Men today, so many men are addicted to releasing their sexual energies through internet sex, through internet uh, masturbation, we'll call that release. He releases his energy. And what people don't realize is not only is that addictive, but each time it lowers his testosterone. So his ability to experience normal testosterone levels in the presence of his partner will diminish over time. And now this is proven out. Not only with research, but with just the massive amount of people on the Internet now talking about these these young men who, by the time they get to 21, they can't even have an erection with a real woman. They're dependent upon the super high stimulation that occurs through Internet masturbation. So this, the key to this, and there's this amazing study that was done in Japan, uh, and it shows that when men release, say on Saturday night, with their wife or their partner, they are alone. If they release, and then six days they don't release, on the seventh day, their testosterone levels will double. After they release, always, a man's testosterone levels go down to half. So literally, his ability to be romantic, attentive, attracted to his partner diminishes when he releases more than once a week. This is such valuable information In my own marriage of over 40 years, the attraction was always maintained, particularly on that Saturday when we released, and then other days we didn't release. We still had affection and intimacy. We did something called edging, so you could, you know, make out like teenagers do and whatever, to the point where you where you don't feel pain afterwards. Men get blue balls if they get too excited. But this is all training where men can learn how to train themselves 
to last longer so that when they make love and have sex, you know, they can go for 20, 30 minutes of intercourse. That can bring a woman to very high, high levels of estrogen uh, for the, for, that will satisfy her to a great extent for the whole week. Uh, she just has to hit those peak moments uh, where a need gets met. But women today are so in their testosterone side, they need that high level of estrogen, at least during intimacy, to help balance out their hormones. So this is something that's missing today. It's not the only way to find balance. But what helps a woman to feel safe is when men's testosterone levels can go to this high level. And, and there might be confusion in some people listening because they always associate aggression uh, in men with high testosterone. And that's absolutely wrong. The research bears it out that when men uh, have low testosterone, high estrogen, that creates the aggression. It's the testosterone that creates selfless behavior. It's the testosterone that creates a, a need to serve and fulfill the needs of others, particularly their partner. So this is we have to change a lot of our thinking about this and learn to help men keep, in, keep their testosterone levels at a higher level. If every, if it just even releasing twice a week instead of once, what will happen is over time, a man will lose his ability to be turned on to his wife. And we see that today, uh, with, you know, over 50% or 60% of couples, they don't even have sex. Uh, they've stopped having it. And many of them report that it's boring who are having it. It's just sort of routine and, and they don't really miss it much when they stop having it. But that's because they, they stopped having that, that intimacy they felt in the beginning because in the beginning, the newness, just the newness of the relationship would stimulate the high levels of testosterone. But through, through over having, having released too many releases in a man will actually numb the excitement in sex. Uh, you know, let's just take a simple example. Go for two days without eating and the food you eat will taste fantastic. It's just amazing. If you can, if men can just realize that they're losing their life force and their ability to be passionate with their wives when they release during the week. And unfortunately, it's such a powerful addiction that men will release during the week and they lose gradual interest in their wives. In the beginning, they'll be having, you know, sex two or three times a week with their wives. And then they, it becomes not so interesting. It'll become less, but they'll continue to release. And that continuing to release sabotages biologically our ability to have twice as much testosterone with the woman we love. So this is like really important information for people to get. Now I've known this for years wow. with my wife, but I, but I didn't know the research. Now I can teach this. You know, if I just said it before, it would be just me talking about what works for me. But now we have research that's been done showing that when men release their testosterone levels goes down to 50%. And then it takes five days, six days for it to double again. But on that day when it doubles, you'll have a really wonderful romantic date. You'll have the energy to be attentive and so forth. She will feel responsive. And that helps to keep them connected. Even though his testosterone won't be as high, there's that sense of rebuilding the trust each time, revealing that sense of successfulness. Wow, that's interesting. Now, for men to yeah. rebalance it's their hormones and testosterone, Testosterone, they go into their cave or they do something to build it. What do women do when they're out of balance? Because the roles have changed considerably since your book came out in the 1990s. I mean, there's women that must have a lot of testosterone going because they're living in the man's world. And what do they do to balance when they testosterone driven all day and then they come home? How do they rebalance to get their estrogen at a good level? Yes, estrogen or progesterone. Uh, the, what happens is now, this is why I love my new book beyond Mars and Venus that you mentioned, because it has the update on the hormones and then it becomes very, very logical. The whole thing, which is if women are more on their masculine side, they're making testosterone during the day. And it's not that these women will have super high testosterone levels. Uh, it's just that they're making testosterone. They're generally not making estrogen. They're opposite forces. If you're making testosterone, it's, the simple way of looking at it is you're doing something you have to do. You may not enjoy doing it, but you have to do it. And then if you're doing something that you get to do, that you love to do, then you can be making both the testosterone and the estrogen at the same time. But, you know, when life is a drag, when there's frustrations and disappointments and rushing around, anytime you're rushing, 
uh, you're making a testosterone. You're not making estrogen. When you feel uh, plenty of time, when you feel safe, when you feel free, this is, and you're enjoying what you're doing, that's going to be estrogen stimulating or progesterone stimulating. The reason I have to bring both those hormones in is uh, for women who are still cycling, uh, they have their menstrual period, it's particularly up towards ovulation after their period when estrogen is most important. And then after ovulation and the 14 days after ovulation towards her period, that's when progesterone has to be more than the estrogen. Uh, so you really have to shift your priorities at that time, uh, which forces women, in a sense, if, you know, you're kind of designing women up there, uh, you would say, okay, women experience so much love and attachment through uh, a deep orgasmic intimacy that we they'll just become dependent on the man for all their happiness, and that's always going to be uh, a problem. We should never depend just on one person for everything. Because particularly with men, sometimes they're going to be more romantic, sometimes they're less. So when a man pulls away, what women can do is find people in her life that stimulate estrogen for her. Anytime you're dependent on something or someone for something you need, estrogen gets produced. So if your husband's busy working, you, you have a life where you're dependent, you could be uh you know, a lot of spiritual people look to God. They they pray to God. That produces estrogen. A lot of, uh, if you're on a choir, you know, you're dependent on the choir leader. If you take a class in archery, you're dependent on the teacher. If you're a student, you're dependent on reading the books. Anything that you enjoy doing where you're dependent on someone for something you need. Uh, going to a doctor, for example, or talking to a therapist, listening to your program and getting gleaned, you know, getting very important tips for life. All of those things produce estrogen whenever you're dependent on someone. It also answers the question, why is it so hard to get men to go to the doctor? <laughs> it's because, you know, <laughs> men are always looking to produce testosterone, whereas women get extra benefits by going to a therapist, a coach, a, a doctor. And now when you add to this, now that's, that's one level of producing female hormones, that it becomes more more powerful for estrogen if you talk about your emotions and you you feel, you know, I need to just be heard. So you find somebody who will listen to you and that will produce very high levels of estrogen if you reveal to them, in a sense, secrets. You know, when you reveal a secret, uh, you produce a deeper level of connection. So imagine I'm going through the day, I'm a woman, I've got to have it together, I'm the boss, I got, I'm confident, I'm doing this, but inside, there's insecurities. Everybody has insecurities. Everybody has anger. Everybody has disappointments. Sometimes people are so busy they don't even know they have these feelings inside, but they're always going on when you're experiencing stress levels, adrenaline responses or cortisol responses. There's always some either uh, emotion that you're aware of or emotions that you're not even aware of. Those emotions are hidden inside of you. So, and you, it wouldn't be appropriate to share them in the workplace or express them in the workplace. So you push them down. So when you can put, create a setting where you can reveal what you would not reveal to others, that's the secret safe environment, so to speak, then massive levels of estrogen get produced. That's why you'll see this industry that I'm part of, a therapy industry, where 90% uh, of the people who talk to a therapist are women because they get so much out of it by just simply sharing their feelings. And, and, and you know, one of my problems with therapists is that they'll just sit there and allow women to share their feelings and women feel better and they get addicted to someone just listening to them without also guiding them into what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. You know, that's getting into the victim mentality. All emotions, negative emotions, are victim mentality. We explore them in order to find hormonal balance, and then we step out of the victim mentality, and we need to look at how we can contribute to change our behaviors, change our thinking, change what we do, so that we're no longer feeling like victims. Because victim is just a pattern people can get into, and ironically, it's addictive. Uh, if you... You know, complaining, for example, has been proven to be addictive. It produces high levels of dopamine, just like pornography. And so people just get the brain starts going loop. And what we now know is that fire together. And so that, that loop is stronger and stronger and stronger, just like people with their little cell phones. 
you know, they're always looking at their cell phones because it gives you a dose of dopamine. Well, complaining also does that, particularly, particularly if you're complaining to the person you're upset with. If you're complaining just to vent and let it go to come back to positive feelings, then it's not so addictive. But if you complain wanting to change someone, let's say we're in a restaurant and we're having soup and I say, oh, you know, is your soup cold? Mine's kind of cold. You know, we should probably, maybe we should get something else. And what do you think? So we're just sharing together. And then I say, waiter, this soup is too cold. Why would you serve it this way? You're a good restaurant. We're expecting that person to now do something for us. So whenever you're, that's testosterone, you're solving a problem, as opposed to sharing to feel connection, to feel a part of, to feel uh, um, included, uh, to feel seen, to sort out your emotions, to let them go. That should be the point of all negative emotions. They're very primitive manipulative forms of manipulation. They're all done automatically. Uh, if you were to look at what anger is, for example, anger traditionally has always been to intimidate, to make people subservient to you. These are automatic monkey-like reactions inside that we all have as humans, but they're in there because of our history, uh, evolution. They're all there. And sadness is to elicit sympathy from people so they'll help you and feel sorry for you and want to, you know, help you and be compassionate and do things for you. So you're trying to get someone to do something for you rather than learning how to love them and ask for what you want, how to have good communication. The next is fear. You know, fear reactions are just built into us uh, because they help us to avoid things automatically without thinking or sharing fear is a way of getting out of things and getting other people to do stuff for you. I'm afraid, so I can't do it. Would you do it? And then you've got guilt. Guilt, we have these automatic guilt reactions. It's also manipulation. Uh, guilt is a manipulation to have people trust you again rather than feeling good and saying, you know, I realize I made a big mistake here and uh, I will correct it. I'll, make, I'll, I'll, I'll do something good for you now to make up for it. So we're evolving as human beings beyond being stuck in negative emotions. And, and I'm not in any way implying that we shouldn't feel our negative emotions. It's very important we feel them and learn, okay, what's upsetting us and recognize that we're not seeing the whole picture. We need to feel, see what we're wanting and wishing and what, thinking about. Then let go of the negative emotion and take cor corrective, uh, positive action and feel the love again. Because always underneath every negative emotion is a positive intention. We just need to get back to that. But if you're angry with somebody, you're often saying, oh, I'm angry with you. I don't love you. But the reality is you wouldn't be angry with them if you didn't love them. You know, I drive, I go through life and, and somebody says something <clears throat> rude to me. Uh, I don't care. Well, why should I let that person influence? But when my wife does, that can be, we're, we're closer. We have less defenses. We care. We care what somebody thinks of us. So we want to keep our ability to open our heart, and that is all dependent upon our ability to continue to feel. So we don't want to deny our emotions. We want to feel them and behave according to them appropriately, which is if you're angry with somebody, your heart is closed. Even though you do love them, you're not feeling the love in a positive way. You talk to somebody else about it. You're, if you're a woman, your estrogen levels go up. Your heart opens again. Then go say, you know, when you did that, I had several feelings. It's not a big deal, but I want you to understand. I feel angry when you do that because it makes me feel like I'm not important to you or you don't care about me. And I know you do, but it pushes my buttons and I need, I need to feel that support. So if you will consider this and try to call me on time or whatever the problem is, see what I'm, I'm getting at is, a million ways to do this, but it's a not demanding tone of voice that says, unless you change, I can't love you. Instead, it's, I love you, and these are my preferences, and I know you're doing your best. That's the, that's the whole secret of life, is not to depend uh, and demand life to be a certain way for you to be happy and for you to feel love. And when we don't feel love, we don't feel happy, that's our business. It's not somebody else. And I know there's situations where that's really hard, but the more we learn to master it, the more we make changes in our life where we can create a life where we're relatively happy all the time and we feel love all the time, particularly with the people who we love. Because there's a difference between knowing you love somebody, everybody gets married, they love their partners, of course they never want to hurt their partners, but then they do because they stop feeling the love. Because feeling the love helps us to have corrective behavior. 
You can't have corrective, intelligent behavior when you're not feeling it, particularly if you're feeling fight or flight. That's very interesting. And uh, one, one thing in your book, you mentioned that when we're freer or afraid or stressed, that the men kind of go into flight or fright, which involves a lot of epinephrine and uh, adrenaline, and women kind of go into tend and befriend. So we go around talking to people and uh, interacting. So that's kind of interesting. It is. They're, they're the different conditioned responses that we have. And typically, you know, there's a response where, uh, you know, even I will have it. We might say tend and befriend. But, you know, if I'm in a room and some big guy walks in, one kind of a guy is going to look fierce in response, like don't mess with us, buddy, and their face will be really serious. Now, I'm not that kind of big guy uh, to react that way. So if a big guy comes into the room looking pretty burly, you know, I'm shifting gears into, hey, what's happening? You know, do you need some water? <laughs> I'm going to be friendly. Friendly is one reaction. That has a lot to do with life experiences, what your conditioning is. You know, if you had a father who was very uh, reactive, uh, then you might learn either to be non-reactive and, like, be try to compensate. That often happens to kids of alcoholics. Uh, you know, you know, it's parents so unpredictable you become codependent where you you basically uh, adjust yourself all the time to please that person, please that person. And and you don't even know yourself after a while and you can't be, even recognize that they're the ones who are misbehaving. You feel like you're the one who's misbehaving. You should adjust better. You apologize for them being upset with you. That's, that's a, a child's brain will do that. So it's all inside of us, that tendency is, uh, you know, when children see their parents arguing and fighting, the children always think it's their fault. This is uh, particularly certain children. There's tendencies, uh, where they, but their reaction it quite often is everything that when my parents aren't happy with me, it's my fault. Uh, you know, it, it's like if, uh, if somebody cheats me, you know, I've been defrauded many times uh, with, with people doing frivolous lawsuits against me, and I have to spend a lot of money on lawyers, and uh, people think I'll just avoid the lawsuit. But, no, I pay the lawyers. It's a lot of money. You feel ripped off and everything. Um, but the basic thing is when if, if I was to tell you all the times I've been cheated, I would be embarrassed. You know, I, I'd be ashamed that people could cheat me. But, really, who should be at fault? Who should be shameful, feel shame or regret? It's those people, they made the mistake, but we often feel it's our fault. We'll multiply that a thousand times, multiply that a thousand times, and you've got a child. When parents are unhappy with you, boy, you really feel bad. And if parents are having a bad day, you might be wrong. Because for a child, this is our child brain. It's like a monkey brain, all this conditioning that happens. Uh, what we see is what we do. And when our parents, when we come out into the world, everybody's happy to see us. We think, oh, I have the power to make people happy. And then when they're not happy, we feel like we failed. And this still affects us to this day. You know, when a man, a big problem men have is when their wives aren't happy, we make the stupid mistake of blaming ourselves instead of realizing, you know, that's her job. We can, we can make it worse without a doubt, but her job is to be happy. And, you know, when women, when men are ignoring them and whatever, women feel like, what did I do wrong? What should I do more? Give more? No, don't give more. Give more love, but do less for him. Ask for more. You know, when women are getting what they need, they often adjust by giving more. That's the biggest problem for women. I see over and over is women will say when they come to counseling and they're not happy in their relationship, almost every woman says, I give and give and give and I don't get back. And so what they have to gradually learn, I don't tell them right away, is, look, you're giving too much. You have to learn how to appreciate him more. If you're giving more, you can't appreciate him. Men go to sleep if they don't feel appreciated. Men lose their vitality if they don't feel appreciated. And if ever you're giving more than you're getting, you lose your feminine ability to appreciate the help that he can provide for you. So you have to back off and realize it's your mistake. And certainly he, you, have, you can find a hundred reasons what he's doing wrong, but you have to look at your mistake of overgiving and then developing resentment inside of you rather than choosing, making choices in your life where you find your happiness and you look to him to increase your happiness. And I promise you, 
if you're happy and not looking disappointed to your partner, but you're happy in your life and you're not blaming him for unhappiness, men are going to find it very easy to, to make you happier, and then they're drawn to that. Men are drawn to what makes them feel successful. But ultimately, you know, these are concepts that explain things, but we're, we're hopeless if we don't understand men and women are different because women will tend to give to men what women want. Men will tend to give to women what men want. Like if a woman's upset and she doesn't want to talk, it's because she doesn't feel safe. She needs to talk. She doesn't feel safe. And part of her testing to see if she's safe, is he really interested in what she has to say? Will he continue to ask questions? Or will he just walk off and ignore her? Well, that's what men do because they don't know that women need to feel a man's presence, his interest, his caring. He wants to listen. Whereas if a man's upset, he wants to go and be alone and to go after him and ask questions, which is one of the worst things you can do. But she wants him to ask questions of her. So she thinks if he's kind of grumpy and upset, she wants to get him to talk, talk it out. You'll feel better. What's going on? And then she tries to get him to talk. And if he does, it only gets worse. Women have to learn, give men space. If they're upset, he's in his cave. Leave him alone. And if he doesn't know to take from his cave, if he doesn't know how to go to his cave, gently create space. Go off and do something that you love to do so he's left alone. You can't say to him, you should go to your cave. Uh, that would be trying to change him. But you can change the situation by just backing off, doing more things that you enjoy, Some, you know, the things that will help increase your estrogen that are not dependent on him. So estrogen is produced when you're interacting with some situation where you're dependent on their support. That's most important if you're cycling, going towards ovulation. And from ovulation to your period, then you need a dominance of progesterone. Now, progesterone is produced when you're not dependent on someone, but you're interdependent doing things that you enjoy doing that are not stressful. That could be uh, making a dinner together. That could be singing in a choir. Uh, that could be uh, talking, uh, you know, with a friend, listening to them. They're listening to you, going back and forth, friendship, doing things you enjoy doing uh, with someone where you're not really depending on them because you're both interdependent, and that's progesterone but non-stressful activities where you feel that you're giving and receiving equally. Now, estrogen is when you're getting more, where you're depending on someone and providing for you. So this is a, a balance. You know, if you're always looking to the man for more, uh, then your estrogen will be too high in the second part of your cycle. And if you're not looking to a man for more, your estrogen will be too low in the, the first part of your cycle. So it's tricky. It's a very complicated thing. But once you, you know, I map it out in my book, Beyond Mars and Venus, you really absorb this. You understand yourself better that if you're unhappy, you're always looking for the wrong thing. You see, it's like as a doctor, as a, you know, a holistic doctor, you know that if a person is sick, they're doing the wrong things. They're eating the wrong foods. They're missing certain vitamins, but they don't know it. Well, when people are unhappy in relationships, they're missing the right things, and they don't know it. Their partner doesn't know it, but they don't know it. They think they know it, but if they're not getting the results, they, they don't know it. And so that's, you have to understand the body if we're going to be these high-functioning human beings in loving relationships for a lifetime. Now, you might think, well, what about people in the past? They stayed together. And, yeah, they stayed together, but their expectations and requirements for intimacy and romance and passion were different. They were easy to provide. You know, my parents, when I was growing up, easy compared to what I have to do. My dad just needed a good job, make enough money so my mother could raise seven children. They never argued or fought. And they didn't expect the romance to last a lifetime either. But they were good friends, and they stayed together. Now, men today, we want passion. We want sex. We want our wives to be interested. Women want romance. They want to feel affection. They want to feel intimacy. What is going on is we want a higher level of emotional fulfillment. And that was, you know, we know there's a, what's called the hierarchy of needs. When your basic needs for survival and security you can handle yourself, then suddenly a higher need comes into play. And that's the higher need is the, the need for emotional support. That's just important as our need for safety, our need for food. It actually, if you have those basic needs met to a certain extent, then these emotional needs are even more important. 
but we don't have these new skills. That's why, you know, your program and helping people understand the new challenges we have. You know, we often live in, we live in a polluted world, a toxic world. So we have to really be careful with our diet to make sure that our immune system's working, our digestion's working, and that we're able to give our body rest. Sometimes not eating all the time is a good thing. So we have to upgrade our skills if we want to thrive today. And same thing in our relationships. If we want to experience the higher levels of fulfillment that we expect from intimacy and sex and romance and all of that, we have to upgrade our skills because so many people get a divorce or get into arguing and fighting because they don't feel that romantic attraction. And part of that is just simply never in history have women been so much on their male side as a general thing in our culture. Women are now in the workplace. They're making more money than men most of the time, and that's a new factor as well. Uh, if you look at women who are under 35 and they don't have children, they make more money on average than men do for the same job, 20% higher. These are government statistics. Now, if you look at poor women, they will take the low-level jobs because they'll do anything to raise their children, so they accept these low-paying jobs. And if they're already married with children, they will they will generally make less for doing the same job. But if you look at these single women, they're just soaring today. And you look at uh, college statistics, you see that there's two women to one man who graduates from college. Uh, and that increases your earning potential, of course. So the world's going through a big change. And what I'm making the point is as women are more on their masculine side, they need more help to come back and find hormonal balance. And men... If you're with a woman who's making more money than you and you're depending on her for money, now your estrogen levels will tend to be too high. So it's very important that you learn how to balance your female side with your male side. And men who tend to be depressed, irritable, angry, impotent, not interested in their In every case, their testosterone levels are too low and their estrogen levels are soaring. You know, you look at a man when he retires, they say he's got three years. Some studies have shown with insurance companies, not every man, but when he retires, if he doesn't do the work, dies in three years, he has a heart attack because men only have heart attacks when their testosterone levels are low. Now, that's a nobody talks about that because giving a man testosterone doesn't protect him from heart attacks, but making testosterone protects him from heart attacks, which is the number one cause of death. Men need to make the hormones, need to feel successful. And if you're retired, let's say you got a lot of money and you're retired, boy, you're going to have no motivation to do work. And so what happens then is when you're not working, doing what you have to do to get some results and, and help people, then your testosterone levels go low and then you die. Uh, you want to stay healthy and happy, you need to stay active and helping people, not just helping yourself. You know, the men that just want to retire and talk and go play golf, their estrogen levels are off the chart, and they die. And that's statistically true, that as men get older, when they retire, their testosterone down. Wow, that is so interesting. So what I heard is society is getting more complex. The roles are getting more confusing. I mean, the woman used to stay in the home, as you say, with your family in the past, and the man used to go out and provide the simpler expectations. But this is getting more complicated, which means we have to find ways to balance our own hormones to get the testosterone for the men and the estrogen for the women balanced. And we need to learn how to do this plus connect with the other person in a language and terms he understands. I also heard you say that these needs and approaches differ throughout the cycle of the woman's period when she's menstruating. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, and, and totally understood hormonal changes that go on inside of women. And then what I did, understanding that knowledge for research, and it's not that unusual research either, but combining it with, with uh, social research, which shows that certain behaviors stimulate estrogen, certain behaviors stimulate progesterone, certain behaviors stimulate <laughs> Now we can see what type of the cycle, what hormones she needs to be producing, and, and give her just a little more awareness of that. Now, once she's no longer 
you know, she's menopausal, she doesn't make as many hormones because she's not making dropping eggs every every month. But if if she can balance her hormones, her body in many cases will begin making sufficient hormones. Never like before, you don't need high hormones if your body can't make babies. So you don't need hormones, what you need is balance of hormones. And the opposite balance of the female hormones is making too much testosterone. And so you'll see many women after menopause, they become more like men. Uh, it's because they don't have this sort of biological imperative that forces their estrogen levels to go up when she ovulates. So that's not there anymore. She has to make choices in her life to make, you know, certain days of the month. She needs to choose to do those things that make estrogen, and she needs to balance that by making sure she chooses to do things that produce progesterone. Generally speaking, hanging out with other women produces progesterone, and being with a husband, being romantic, produces estrogen. Uh, so that's kind of a simple way of looking at it. I list, list uh, in the book a lot of different activities. So if you're beyond, uh, when you're, when you're menopausal beyond, then you need to be able to just consciously make choices and create balance. So you don't get too focused on one type of activity, you go with the other. And there's some research, uh, it's contradictory research, but I'm on the side that believes this from my own experience working with people, is that for women who are beyond menopausal, it's when the, when the moon, which affects the fluids in our body, it affects the tides, it affects the fluids in our body, and uh, it, it will, when the moon is going from new moon to full moon, there tends to be a greater need, an increasing need to produce estrogen in women. And then as the moon goes to the new moon, that's when she can focus more on uh, progesterone. So estrogen on the way towards the full moon and progesterone on the way down. And that is a nice way of sort of making sure in your life that you're doing things that make you happy where you're not dependent on someone and you're doing things where you're dependent on someone. Don't get caught up on either side. Because too much estrogen, as you said in the beginning, too much estrogen is not good either, uh, or too much progesterone. Uh, you, you have to find the balance. And so you, you find inside yourself, as you go into balance, you start learning, okay, I shouldn't be depending too much on my partner. And this is where I need to be depending on myself and my friends, my children, my work, my activities, but not to go too far in one direction. And how do you know you're going too far in one direction is you're, you're not happy. See, that it's happy. I'm not happy. I need to shift gears. You know, this is something I learned from my mother, who was an extremely happy lady. She always said, John, we always have what we need in our lives. And when we think we don't, it's we're looking in the wrong direction. And I find that to be such a profound truth that she lived, and to a great extent, I lived that as well. Uh, I learned that from her. Not everybody had the opportunity to have a mother who, you know, seven children, I never saw her upset. You know, she was a very spiritual lady as well. She had regular sex with my dad. We used to listen at the door. <laughs> and so, you know, it wasn't all the time either. They were very, very happy. One thing I found interesting, what's the Norway paradox and how does that combine with, compare with India? Oh, well, okay. That's interesting. I, I put that in the book. That's the Beyond Mars Venus is... When when women feel safe, okay, they will not necessarily do masculine jobs as much. And that's the outcome of what I'm about to say. The paradox is that when women are in fight or flight, they will tend to become more masculine. And when women are uh, feeling safe, they will tend to do more traditional female activities. So in Norway, it's a very wealthy country because they have oil, okay? So it's uh, not like they have manufacturing or anything. They just got a lot of oil up there in the Arctic Circle. So per capita, they have the most money of any country in the world. And the government, it's a very socialistic government. They give everybody money, but also the government mandates for every job, for every job of the government, there has to be equal men and women. So in all the government jobs, there's equal men and women. But in all of the non-government jobs, in the non-government in the non jobs, what happens is 
women will do traditional women jobs and men will do traditional men jobs like construction and driving cars and women will be school teachers. They'll be kindergarten teachers. They'll be nurses. Men will be the doctors. But whenever it's government jobs, it's equal. So they say, oh, everybody, women do men's jobs. Women, men do women's jobs. Yeah, the government says you have to do it. But when okay. a country we're running, very... we're running short on time, there's like two minutes left. So let me say that, you know, like in Norway, where things are more equal, greater freedom to choose, the females tend to choose more traditional female roles. Where in India, where there's new freedom and their expre- women are expressing their male roles, there's a lot more women in traditionally male jobs, which is very interesting. Another thing I found interesting in your book was that I might have it wrong. But men might do something huge to give to the woman, but the women might see a lot of small things as more than the one huge thing the man sees. And another thing is that when the women have stress hormones that are high, they forget all the good things that the man did. Uh, I hope I have that correct, but those are just interesting points. Anyway, we've got like we've got him. one minute left, so... Uh, what final words would you like to say to our audience? To, because you've got so much. I mean, it's good information. It took me years to figure this out. But what else would you like to say in closing or how people can get a hold of you? Well, I think that's a good way to end. I just invite people to come to MarsVenus.com. I have a free class on communication skills uh, that we, my daughter and I teach together. She's, uh, you know, in her 30s. She's a very successful teacher for 10 years of my message. But she's created her own message, and together we have a course on how to get more in your relationships, and it's free. So I invite people to go to MarsVenus.com and take the course. It's a wonderful course, a video course. Okay. Um well, there you have it, audience. It's a, such great advice uh, to solve the mystery of the sexes. Why doesn't he hear what I say? Why is he ignoring me? Doesn't he love me anymore? And I'm sure the men have similar frustrations because I'm on one side of this equation. And he's got such good advice and love, I think, uh, coming from love as opposed to fear and all the other emotions is a good approach. So I want to thank you very much. So uh, there you have it. Uh, good advice. Uh, you know, look into more of his work and learn more. And uh, be well. We got the power to change the world. Thank you for listening. Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to better health for you this week.